Talk to me about when you first became concerned that there could be a problem. Um, gosh, I mean, he's he's had some sort of strange behaviours from grade one where he was quite hard on himself. Um, and, you know, if he got a question wrong, he'd, he'd berate himself and tell himself and say, I'm so stupid. And he would sort of hit himself on the head. Um, and then being a bad loser, that's been a, quite a big one all the way through. Um, mm. If it doesn't matter what sort of game, how small or how big, if he, if he lost, um, it was always, it was like the end of the world. But the, I think the problems really started around grade two, probably, where he started having some issues on the social side. So schooling um, on the academic side, 100%, no issues. Um, but he started having a lot of fights at school, um, fairly small ones to start with. So he would, if they were playing a game, he, he, he would accuse people of cheating if he wasn't winning. Um, and he'd want to change the rules in the middle of the game. And obviously that didn't go well with the others. One of the aftercare teachers came to him and said, Kaylin, there's something wrong with you. Um, and then the other kids started calling him a nickname and he'd be walking at school and it didn't matter who the child was. Uh, he didn't even know them sometimes. They would walk past and call him this name. And he didn't tell us about this. He kept very quiet and it was only at the end of grade four, but when he, he um, you know, we'd pick him up from aftercare and he'd say, I hate the school. I don't want to go to school anymore. I hate school. Uh, and going from a child who'd originally loved school to this was where we started thinking something's wrong. And that's when we first took him to see a psychologist. I mean, he, he, he used to walk around and he used to know absolutely everyone. He used to know what everybody did, who was related to who. He, he was just an absolutely social child who could talk to anyone and anyone could talk to him. And he was just one of those social connectors. He, you know, he, he knew who, whose sibling was doing what sport and how well they were doing and he, he just knew everything about seemed like he knew everything about everyone that kind of social being to someone who absolutely didn't want anything to do with anyone at school basically so it was a massive yeah just a change and, and that was in grade four mm. and then grade five was last year and obviously we had lockdown and that's, that's when we hit rock bottom with him. The homeschooling obviously is out of routine. Um, to try and get him to do any work at home was, it actually became unbearable at home as well. And um, we really hit rock bottom just after the level five lockdown started. And, and guys, uh, what did you see at home, if I can ask? What did you experience at home on an emotional front? What was going through his mind, do you think? interaction with yourself, your relationship, you know, the sister, what, what, what did you see? He's, he's, he's always seemed a little immature for his age, his EQ. So his IQ is right up there, but his EQ seemed a couple of years behind. Um, he was quite challenging. He used to challenge us. Everything, brush your teeth was a, a fight. Have a shower was a fight. Um, and, um, 
and, and, and on his on his side, you know, in last year with the, when, during the lockdown, he started saying things like, I hate my life. I wish I'd never been born. Um, so quite a, and with his sister, frustrated with her very easily, small things would set him off. He would get very angry, um, like unreasonably angry over, over nothing. And just asking him to do anything, absolutely any work at all was, was like we'd asked him to move the world. It was just a fact. It was draining. How did you try and manage this behavior at home? What did you have to try and do to try and manage it? I think we tried everything from being absolutely unrealistically patient. Um, bribing him, screaming bribing, at him. Screaming, incentivizing. Oh. Um, we've, we tried everything. Disciplining. And, all of it, removing his devices. Um, just, it, it, we tried absolutely yeah. everything, and 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 reasoning. We we sat with reasoning. We'd sit with him and have a discussion and say, "Okay, and do you understand your behaviour?" And he would agree, and he would absolutely say, "Yes, he understands that it's wrong," and and he, he he'll try not to do it again. And sometimes five minutes later, he'd be doing it again. It, mm. it, it was like it, it was like we hadn't even had the discussion. And what did the teacher have to say? Did you have a chance to chat to the teacher before you went to the psychologist? What were the sort of things that came back from the school? Nothing, nothing. That was the funny thing. We, we um, the only time a teacher said anything to us about his behavior was grade two, where the teacher said the mat play, where they go and they do a group activity on the mat. Um, Kalen would bump heads with the other kids because he would quite often he would take over whatever they were doing and he because he, he would see the sort of the end game and he would take over and finish the activity um, and kind of exclude everyone else and everyone else would obviously get frustrated and they would undo what he did and then he would get up and walk away so that was great too three and four nothing absolutely nothing was said to us only last year grade five when he went yeah. back to school in term four was the very first time a teacher said to us she messaged us and said, I'm very worried about Kaylin. He's withdrawn. But again, that's after we raised the issues with her. Yeah. And only then did she actually really have a look and saw what was going on. What could identify what was going on. It, it wasn't something that came from... It wasn't instigated by yeah. them, no. So, but she, she noticed that the quality of his work had gone downhill and she said the quality of the work was what, not what she expected and he was getting 50% on tests where he'd been getting 80s and 90s um, and he, he wasn't getting on with his peers and at lunchtimes he was going off by himself and that was in term four last year for the first time a teacher had raised any concern with us. And how, did, how, how was his sleeping? Did that change at all? He's been a great sleeper since he was five weeks old. He's slept through and we've never had a problem with that. Did you try and put him on any supplements at all or sort of uh, supplementations that you thought might help? On and off, I've done a couple of vitamins. I, I did try Rescue at one stage, um, but no, not really. I didn't really try anything else. Do you think it helped at all? There was nothing really that helped? No. 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 And then you mentioned you went to see a psychologist. How did you find your way to the psychologist? 
So the first time we took him to the psychologist was in grade four in the first term when he had the incident with um, his friend where he pulled him down. We had made contact with her. I actually think you had recommended her as a, I think it was you, before we started him in grade R because I wanted to take him for an EQ test to see if he was, because he's a year, he's also a year younger than his peers. So we took him for a test to see if he would be <clears throat> eligible for grade R. So, <clears throat> sorry. So that's how we made contact with her again. So it was the only psychologist I knew. And, and you know, we thought we were dealing with a um, anger management issue. Um, there's, there's, anger, there's an anger streak that runs in the family and we thought this is what we're dealing with. So we just took her, we took him to her purely just to counsel him and tell him that what this, this what that aftercare teacher had said to him about there's something wrong with you, Kaylin. Uh, we wanted her to explain to him that there wasn't anything wrong with him. It was just a self-control issue and the temper and just give him, give him some guidance. So that was the first, that was all we were trying to achieve with her. Um, and so we had two or three sessions and she said, he's an amazing child. What a wonderful boy. You've done a great job raising him. Very sweet child. Not the picture that we were taking in, in hand to her, but, you know, she could see the underlying, you know, child that he was. And then we left it throughout grade four because we didn't know about the bullying. And then in last year, during the lockdown, when, when we hit rock bottom, I, um, I actually looked up another psychologist on the internet in the area, someone that had done work specifically with anger management. That's what I was looking for. I found a local psychologist and I took him, uh, I phoned her up and I said, listen, we are desperate now. We, we actually, it's unmanageable. The situation is, is at home is out of hand. Um, you know, Hugo's almost avoiding him sometimes because, you know, they butt heads quite badly and I, I need to come and see you with, with Kaylin. And, and I took him and she, she um, assessed him and said the same thing. He's a wonderful boy, such a sweet child. And I said, sure, but that's not what's, what, what is happening with him? What is going on with this child? So she did a counseling for a week or two. And then I, I went back and I said to her, listen, this counseling thing is great, but it's not working. Nothing, nothing's changing. I think that Kalen needs some medicinal help. He needs some help to control. I, I, I don't know, but I'm, he needs something. So she contacted our GP and he, he assessed him. And he, within five minutes, he said, he needs to go and see a psychiatrist because he does need some medication. And he referred us to a psychiatrist um, in Westville Hospital. So I, I Googled the psychiatrist and there were a lot of bad reviews and then she seemed to mostly see adults. So I said, well, this is not the one. So I went back to the psychologist and she said to me, no, no, there's a psychiatrist um, that comes in and she works mostly with children. So I thought, well, great, that's where we're gonna go. So we made the appointment and we had the session. And she went through all the questions and assessed him. <clears throat> and at the end of the session, she said to me, um, he has ODD, Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Now I'd obviously been doing some research beforehand and, and he ticked all the boxes for ODD. So I thought, okay, great, this is it. But in my research, I had seen something about ADHD. So I asked her and I said, does he have ADHD as well? And she said to me, no, not at all. And I said, but this whole session he's been sitting here, he's been fiddling with his mask and he's been fiddling with his socks. And she said, a child with ADHD would never have sat still through this 30 minute session. He would have been up and running around the room. He definitely doesn't have ADHD. 
and that's when she put him on the meds for the ODD. Two weeks in, um, we, we increased the dosage because it has kind of taken the edge off a little bit, but the behaviors were all still there. We were still struggling. Um, she increased the dosage again, and then she added another medication for anxiety as well. And she said to me, look, he needs to go for counseling with a psychologist regularly. She will give him the coping me mechanisms to, to get through the issues. And along with the medication, you will basically, within a year, we'll get him off the meds and he'll be fine. And, and Hugo, yes, what did you see at, at that time, if I could ask you as well? Um, like, <clears throat> the, the counselling, the counselling was great. He walked out of counselling after seeing the psychologist, he walked out, he was quite chipper and happy. And that would last for, you know, with the best of intentions, you speak to him about it and he said, no, he knew exactly what's going on. Yes, she, you know, she, she did help him, but an hour, hour and a half later, there'll be another trigger. So, you know, I think that the, the biggest, the biggest problem for us, or certainly for me, was every single time there's the optimism, and an hour and a half later, you're just about to hit rock bottom again. So it just, it's an absolute emotional roller coaster. You. You keep believing every single time, this is going to work, this will help. And you, and she also, the same psychologist, fantastic boy, wonderful personality, mm. all, all the good stuff that we know, everything we know he is, or he used to be. So yeah, it, it just, it's the roller coaster ride. It's just up and down. You, you, don't know what is around the corner 30 mm. seconds from now. So it, you're almost tiptoeing around your own child because it, you don't know what's going to trigger him and how he's going to react yeah. to something simple. You, look, you, you, you know he's not going to become violent um, towards us, but aggressive. Aggressive, and yes, you're afraid of the comments about I might as well go and kill myself. You, so you avoid, you avoid reprimanding, you avoid disciplining, just to try and keep some peace and quiet. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mentioned it to the psychiatrist that sometimes, you know, when we disciplined, he would say, I might as well kill myself. And she said, no, he won't kill himself. Caelan, will you kill yourself? And, and Caelan sort of quite shocked. And he said, no, no. And she said, oh, he's fine. He won't do it. So just, you know, just discipline him. But, you know, as a parent, you know, even if there's a 1% chance, you're not going to take that chance. There's no ways. I mean, and if this is what my 10-year-old is saying, when, when the teen years hit and the hormones hit, how is he going to be feeling then if this is how he is already at 10? I, don't, I didn't, I, I struggled. 
struggled with that with the psychiatrist. I must admit, um, I didn't. It, I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable with that, and I wasn't comfortable with her. Even though I must say, I've never, I've never thought that Canaan had ADHD because there's a there's a perception for ADHD that the child is hyperactive. Definitely a stigma. Which is, I mean, Canaan Canaan is not hyperactive and never has been. Um, there's a there's a if perception that they don't perform well at school because they don't have the attention span. Cannon has been a top performer. He came fifth in grade four, even despite that terrible year that he had, he still came fifth in the grade. So for me, I mean, I don't think either one of us ever thought ADHD, mm-hmm. but the answer that the psychiatrist gave me to my que- question when I said, does he have ADHD? The answer didn't sit right. So the fact that he wasn't up and running around the room as an answer to that, that isn't my child. So that for me was not a good answer. So I was uncertain. It was a very stereotypical response, even from her. Mm. Just to just to put make a diagnosis and and move on, kind of. Just because it's not jumping around. Yeah. Did you find that the psychiatrist went to things in a lot of depth, gathered information from teachers, uh, tried to get a lot of information? Uh, based on uh, what had happened at school, that type of thing? We did fill out a form. We got the teacher to fill out a form. Um, she did read through that. And then she mostly asked Kaylin the questions, uh, asked me a few questions, but mostly had a conversation with Kaylin um, and based her diagnosis on that and what she saw sitting in front of her when he was there. Yeah. I find that... Um, if I had to base my diagnosis on every child that I saw, well, I would get it wrong 80% of the time because, you know, for a child who comes into my room, sometimes they might be overly stimulated and you might think that they're hyperactive and they're not, or they might be intimidated and scared and sit there and not do anything. And so it's not something that is always typical of what you see in your consultation room because what happens in your home and in that classroom and with his friends is very different and none of us are really there um did you what what was the next step you you obviously had a bit of a niggle in the back of your mind and what was the next step in your mind that you thought you had to do well we weren't seeing much of a change at the, the meds and I mean, he's, he was on some heavy duty meds um it kind of took the edge off but slightly so everything was still there he was still upset he was still unhappy my child was unhappy Dr. Flett it was it was horrible and um it so happened in January this year I was I was I'm hardly ever on Facebook and I jumped on Facebook and someone had posted a link to your blog that you've started um and I signed up just I thought well let's follow it and it was a week later that you posted that video about ODD. I saw it pop up and I thought, well, let me read it, see if you've got any further information that I can use to, to help me with my child. And I watched the 12 the minute video. And in there, you mentioned a stat around the fact that I think it's, it's 30 to 50% of children with ADHD have ODD. So ODD is almost like a side effect, a secondary um, thing to ADHD. And I watched the video and I went straight away to Hugo and I said, look, we got to make appointments, Dr. Flett, because I want a second opinion. He He's on these serious meds. We're not progressing and my child is unhappy. And we're going back to school in a week or two's time. 
and and he is dreading it and I, I'm I don't know what to do for him so we need to we need to make that appointment and then I did what was your was I remember the day actually I think uh, that you came in and then of course because of the COVID restrictions uh Hugo was uh, a remote visitor in my room and um we uh what was your sort of what did you sort of feel at the end of it did it make sense to you or was it a little bit more of a little bit more confusion yeah i would say things actually simplified um <clears throat> made made more sense and it was the diagnosis was certainly uh less less concerting than yeah <laughs> you know I'm, I'm i'm happy with adhd <laughs> as opposed to odd um yeah i, mean, I, I think it, it just made more sense so and at least there was something we could do I apart think... from talking I think the questionnaire that we filled in for you was a, an eye opener to start with. We sat and did it together, and there were something like 54 questions. I think it was something like that. Um, and you know, Hugo and I did it together, and we we might have been one number out on some of the questions, but we pretty much agreed on most of them. Um, and then you said to us the first nine questions were to do with ADHD. I think it was, and you know, Kaylin ranked high <clears throat> on all of them, and. When you said that, I think it was a it was a bit of a shock because I don't know. I still wasn't really thinking ADHD. I don't know what I was thinking, but I just knew he, you know what he was doing wasn't working. Um, but when you explained it and all the behaviours and the way that you explained it to Kaylin as well was clarifying. I think is the word. It was like uh, there might be some light here for us. Um, <clears throat> still a little bit. I wouldn't say skeptical, but you know, we'd been through this road with all these other people and we, I was kind of like, let me try the meds and see what happens. And day one, day one, within two hours, Kaylin had his sense of humor back. And I mean, I haven't seen that for three years. And then yeah. he, he, was, he was laughing, he was joking. He was, I mean, that was day one. And I think my, my heart lifted a little bit. I thought, this is, this is it. We've actually found it can't believe it. I just want to jump back you know, a couple of days or weeks <laughs> before that even, or probably months, because what ended up happening was that he would lose his t temper or something would set him off. <clears throat> and while the ODD diagnosis was there you know he spoke to him about it and but at some point the odd became an excuse something would happen and we would talk to him about it and he would simply turn around and say well i have a medical condition this is my excuse for doing what i'm doing mm -hmm. So I think this ODD also with the psychiatrist and a psychologist, it's, it's as though it nearly got shoved down his throat that 
yes, you have a problem. Um, the coping mechanisms that they were going to put in place was not working and the diagnosis started becoming an excuse for behavior. So, you know, that ended up being a fallback for him. If something happened, oh, I have this condition. So, you know, that's yeah. my excuse for my behavior. That's a good point. And he hasn't done that with the ADHD, no. not so, once. Yeah, so to jump forward again to where we are now, as Juanita said, it was, uh, we 95% of the time, we have our son back, the, the, the child that he used to be. Yeah. Um, he's, he's mature, the, the way he talks about things and he takes an interest in people. He starts talking to everyone again. He's enjoying um, life. He's yeah. enjoying his sport. Uh, we have not had a single problem getting him up for, for school in the mornings. Nope. Uh, is taking responsibility. Mm. So it's it's absolutely day and night. It's, it's an absolute 180 from yeah. from where he was. Um, has he said anything directly to you the way he feels? Because your boy Kalen is a highly intelligent boy, and I think a lot of his symptoms that he's had over the years, he's been able to mask because of his intelligence. You know, he's been able to keep up because of his intelligence. Has he said anything to you the way he feels since he's been on the medicine? No, he hasn't. Um, just if I say, how do you feel? He says good. Um, he's, he's not uh, very vocal on the emotional side. Um, yeah, he just says good, uh, yeah. And his routine in the morning, just his energy, you mentioned to me, I think the last time we met, as you said, it's almost as though he reminds you of the boy he was, say, two, three years ago. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, he, he gets up in the morning, he does what he needs to do. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets ready for school. Um, Takes his poles before his feet hit the ground, like you told him to, because he's very law-abiding. Uh, he brushes his teeth, gets dressed, gets his kit packed. Uh, yeah, no problems there, nothing. And um, have you had any worries on the medication at all? No, because obviously we're in a process now of weaning him off those other strong medications. Nothing. We had no mm -hmm. side effects. Nothing. He's been he's been hundreds. Oh, have we? How far have we got now with weaning off the medications? We're down to, he was on two and a half of the one tablet. He's down to half on that one. And he's still on the, the anti-anxiety, he's still on his half a tablet a day. So we're probably two thirds the way, maybe a bit further on weaning him off now. Good, good. Yeah. And um, from your side, um, you know, this perception that ADHD, you have to be hyperactive, a hyperkinetic moving individual that is frenetic or somebody who is kind of almost like on another planet and a sort of a daydreaming like a brain fog you know out there and you know just those sort of um, stereotypes and 
just to sort of kind of, I suppose, uh, emphasize the fact that, you know, ADHD, the name ADHD, you know, it says I've got a bit of attention, I'm a bit busy. It belittles the diagnosis. It belittles the severity of the problem. Um, it's like saying somebody who has autism, they talk a bit funny and they flap their hands. That's all they do. When it's a very serious condition, if you have something like autism. So, you know, I think that um, the impulsivity, the impulsivity of emotional control, that is what Kalen has challenges with. He has that difficulty in controlling, they say it's the mind's heart, that ability to kind of just quell that anger sometimes that he feels when he is uh, under stress and he's distracted. Um, can I ask just finally, what are your concerns with the medicine? Have you seen any worries that you would like to talk about with the medication and side effects? I haven't really seen anything. I mean, when you first put him on the new con, I did obviously I, I researched it um, and I did see someone said something, uh, it's like, uh, the cocaine of whatever it whatever they said it was and I thought and I said that to you and he was like what cocaine I said well no it's not cocaine but it's uh, you know I think along that schedule of um drugs um but you know I think I think Dr. Fed that you you understand the medication I think that you're giving him the right dose so I'm not concerned that you're going to overdose him um you're keen to get him off the other meds which I'm very happy about side effects i mean he's got a sinus infection at the moment i did see that is one of the side effects sinuses and he can be a sinus you know do you know uh, what one one factor i think and that i think is sometimes just to sort of um you know dispel the myths when they do a study on a medication so they trial it they have to report every single symptom while you're on a medication mm -hmm. so if you had a toothache they'd have to put toothache okay. If you had a rash, they'd have to put rash down. If you had uh, your hair went a bit grey, they'd put grey hair. They'd have uh, a toenail that fall or fell off, uh, a toenail that fell off. So it doesn't cause side effects of sinusitis, by the way. So make sure okay. that it doesn't do that at all. It's okay. just when they. Um, so the the other thing is it's not related to any cocaine, but you know that's the that that's the myth. Um, it's a stimulant medication. It can be abused. Concerta or Nucon or Contramol, you can't because it's a long-acting preparation. The only one that can be abused is Ritalin. If you crush it up and you snort it or inject it into your vein quickly, you'd get a high in 30 seconds. That's the only way you can do that. So, um, you know, just, just I suppose, you know, it's, it's such a learning curve for all these things. There's so much to know, you know. And um, what I'm very happy with is... You know, when you see a, a chemical imbalance with a problem like, like ADHD, it is such a well-documented, researched problem. And when you see a reaction in two hours, that's, that's amazing. You know, that really is amazing. Yeah. And any, any other sort of concerns that you might think about uh, with the medication and things that you might uh, think about, is there any other concern that you have? I think eating. Yeah. Or lack thereof at school. The eating, the eating is still a problem. <clears throat> He's still eating a huge amount. I would have. I, I hoped that with the the 
production of the zoxodon that we would have seen less of that, but he seems to be actually eating more. So that's a bit odd, but um, so um, I don't know. We'll see when he's off it completely, if it makes a difference, I'm hoping. And then also the anti-anxiety anti medicine can also lead to uh, eating. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. But, but, I think, but I think with Kalen as well, he also has that impulsivity, doesn't he? You know, he, he has that impulsivity, which is part of his nature, I think. And, um, you know, once he starts to feel better about himself, does some sport, more active, you know, we can hopefully see um, a reduction there. But um, anything else you'd like to add? Um, I've taken up enough of your time, and I'm sorry about that this evening. Yeah, I just want to say one thing, Dr. Peters, you know, the thing for me is that, um, you know, if your child has got a, a broken leg, you know, you don't wait a week or a month to take them to the hospital. And if you get to the hospital, they don't say, we're going to call the cardiologist to come and operate on the leg. You know, it, you need the orthopedic surgeon. So there's definitely a stigma attached to mental ailments or mental illnesses, if you will. Um, and, and we're guilty of it as well. We, we kind of saw there was an issue a few years back and we dithered over, do, do we take and we, what do we do? Let's try a bit of rescue. Let's try a bit of this. Um, and, you know, I regret it. I, I, you should have had him at the right person back then. Um, but, you, you know, we also thought it was maybe just an anger issue. And, you know, it, it, just an assessment would have told us. I mean, it, it hurts no one to do an assessment. And we should have probably have done it a couple of years back. And the other part is, you know, like I said about the cardiologist operating on the leg, you know, yes, someone referred us to a psychiatrist that uh, works with children, but they aren't a child psychiatrist. And that's another regret of mine is that, um, you know, we should have had a child psychiatrist. I, I don't know, I don't know if there are any in Durban, I've got no idea, but I mean, we ended up with you and, I, and that's, you know, the great thing, thankfully. Um, so, you know, my advice is, is if you think that there's any issue, is check it out, just have an assessment done. If there's nothing, you know, great, move on. If there is, catch it early, start treating it before their self-confidence erodes. Um, it erodes very quickly and it can do a lot of damage. And, you know, get the right person in to, to look at your child and, and help them. Yeah, I think also when, when the issues started, as you said, it's, it's stress, it's anxiety. Yeah. You, those are not the typical thought of symptoms of ADHD. Yeah. So. You die yourself you doubt there's, yeah. there's just no ways we would have ended up even thinking that it's no. adhd no he's not atypical in in what we think <clears throat> of as an adhd i mean there it is in the name hyperactive it's in the name adhd hyperactive he's not so that's why you know mm -hmm. we never for one second but that's why i go and do an assessment with the right person and you know get to the bottom of it